black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. Dirty man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. Hey! I have no place to stay. Hey! We bury it. Later on, we come back and collect. All right, welcome back to the Cinemania World Podcast, everyone. My name is Dwayne, and today we have our review for Netflix's The Five Bloods. Uh, for, today's, for today's review, I am joined by some special guests. First things first, from the Cinemania World team, I have Larry. Larry from LC Screen Talk. Larry, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? I am doing really well, and today, everyone, we are joined by a special guest uh, from ColbyToldMe.com. We have Colby Mack back on the show. Colby, how are you? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and thank you for having me back. I'm good. Yes, yes, very, very nice to have you on today's show on a very special review, a review I'm very excited to get into. Yesterday, we got through Gardemus Fowl. We got through that review, so today we got, we're on to bigger and better things. Um, this review is for Netflix's The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee. Um, if you don't know the story already, the story is about four African-American vets who battle the forces of um, man and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he hoped he helped him hide. Uh, the movie stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Mayers, uh, Clark Peters, um, Chadwick Boseman, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Norm Lewis, and plenty of others. Um, we'll start this off uh, to get you guys' thoughts. I'll start off with Kobe. Kobe, what do you think about this movie? Yo, this movie was... Um, I don't know if it's because of quarantine and not having the caliber of films, especially from Netflix, um, to like really, really lean on. Um, not being in a movie theater for three months now and shit three months my goodness um this film it's crazy how timely it is right it's it's really really eerie like you would think that did they push this up but they would they would not have known the amount of civil unrest that's going on in our country that is still brimming from hundreds of years of systemic racism and oppression and how being a citizen in America, how challenging it is being an African-American, going to a war that you wanted nothing to do with, being convinced to fight for freedoms that aren't given to you when you get back home, and how that has affected these five men, because we'll include Storm and Norman, having them revisit the place that they should be like horrified from seeing how each of their individual experiences explored through this amazing story from Spike Lee. It's honest. It's completely in your face. Um, it does not pull back any punches to what it's saying. I think the commentary is like in very, very important. 
the performances are outstanding. Delroy Lindo, my brother. Like, oh man, this man has been a part of my life mm-hmm. probably before. But like, what I really remember him from was mm-hmm. when he worked with Spike in Crooklyn. Yeah, and just seeing how consistent that he's been. And let me tell you something right now. Yo, I praise the melanin in my skin because mm-hmm. these brothers are damn near 70 and look real good for their age. That's okay? what I was saying. I'm like, these dudes out here in the, in the woods and they, Yo, they sweating. I'm like, dude, I cannot, I this, cannot imagine. This ensemble cast does a really mm-hmm. great job. It's an interesting mix of characters that we don't typically see on the big screen. Jonathan Majors, I mean, this brother's on a roll. Yeah, the supporting performances mm-hmm. that he delivers. I thought the screenplay was strong. Yes. I thought... The, the cinematography is so interesting. Changing up aspect ratio several yep. times back and forth throughout the film. And the score with all of Spike's films are always on point. Like the, oh, yeah. the things that he does with the orchestra in this film and the way that it swells, like it is a beautiful picture. And I am so privileged mm-hmm. to have seen it. And I'm so glad that it's out right now. Yes, I totally agree. What a, what a great movie to just like lift. You would think that a movie like this would be like, oh my god, it's not for the times right now because like it's like somewhat depressing in a way. But I'm like, dude, I felt so lifted up after watching it because I'm just like, damn, I'm watching my people do so good as far as like film and whatnot. And the aspect ratio stuff did not bother me at all, like it did with like you know like a movie like Waves where it's kind of like inconsistent. This movie it was like so well done and stuff like that. And Spike Lee's direction i love watching his movies anyway um you know but i was like with this movie i was just like i was like oh this is so good i did not feel the runtime at all you know um i was just locked into all the performances too and they all felt like so it all they all felt like so like grounded performances in a way but then when it needed to be like when it needed like to, to hit those kind of high notes, um, like Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, like they do, they they have such great chemistry together. But then Delroy Lindo also has great chemistry with everyone else. Everyone else is just like comes off the screen so so well done. And you learn about you learn a lot about you know uh, uh, black soldiers and stuff like that. Then you learn a lot about you know Vietnamese soldiers as well too. And Vietnamese like oppression in a lot of ways too, which I enjoyed uh, seeing Man. seeing a different of you know what I mean. So that was Bro, just really good. This is a history lesson. Yeah, yeah. In a movie, like it's crazy to think like how much like I don't, I'm not, I don't want to spend this time like shitting on you know America because I live here, but like <laughs> how much I missed out in history class. I'm like that used to be my favorite subject. I remember U.S. history in, in, in the eleventh grade. I'm like, what? Like there was none of this shit in there. Like yeah. this shit is important. Right. You know, <sighs> right. This 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 is a movie that they will they will like show in history classes, history, history. Like you, whether it's in college, high school, this is a movie that you can show to students for them to learn something about, especially especially in, in um especially in like black communities and stuff like that. I would say, um, let's look at uh, Larry's thoughts. Larry, what did you think about this movie? Yeah, um, <laughs> I had to wait until I went to college to take, uh, I think it was two, maybe three specific uh, African-American studies and history courses um, to get so much of the information I know, because, it, you know, our, our K through 12 education system erases people of color and women, pretty much, and their contributions, mm-hmm. for the most part, unless you're, you know, one of the big ones, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, unless you're one of those you're not really brought up in the courses, which is a real shame. Um, but this, I am, I'm not a big war movie fan overall. Every now and then, they kind of pop out to me. But what I really appreciated, even before watching the film, 
is finally getting a movie about the black soldier uh, viewpoint and the black soldier experience because mm. it's another aspect of history that is so overlooked. Even in the Civil War, uh, black soldiers were fighting on both sides. Oh, and, but we had glory. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so it was just great to to get that viewpoint right off the bat and having to fight for a country that is oppressing you against another country that is being oppressed by white people as well is mm. is a really interesting dynamic right off the bat and like Dwayne said I really like that we took a little bit of time as well to just focus on how Vietnam itself is still feeling the effects of this pointless war <laughs> all these years later as well. Uh, we get to go into, at a broader spectrum, how our veterans are not taken care of. But then again, specifically how our black veterans are just overlooked, not given resources, not given what they need to properly thrive after they've come back to serve a country that couldn't have cared less about them. And <laughs> that's that's just a, a really powerful thing. And what Dalroy's performance does to bring that to life is just extraordinary. I also think Clark Peters was so good in this movie. He was like yeah. kind of a, a stable rock for me as I was watching. Uh, it's a much more subtle performance, but one that's still fantastic. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. was like kind of our comedic relief. He gave us a lot of levity. The whole cast is really great. Uh, yeah, Norm cool. Lewis, all of them. They're wonderful. As is Chadwick Boseman in his, in his flashback moments. <laughs> and that really powerful scene, obviously, um, with Delroy is, oh, is something man, special. Yeah. Plus, the... I really think this is elevated for Spike Lee. I don't know. Um, I was thinking that too. It has his his usual stuff. It has mm -hmm. his style. It has his flair. It has his kind of editing in there. Of course, we get that dolly tracking shot down the hallway. You, mm -hmm. We were all waiting for it. Uh, yeah, it came, came right I there thought, at I the end. Gonna, I, thought, I thought we were going to get it like you know, earlier in the know, film. Oh, like, it came right at the end. Yeah, seeing, <laughs> seeing Otis with his daughter. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just each individual journey. Um, especially yeah. in this ensemble film, concept. like it, it moving back and forth and the balls to do the, the, the un-Scorsese by taking these four men, keeping them in their age, but putting us back in the, yeah. I, I can, I couldn't remember what year it was that they were, you know, there at that specific site, you know, in Vietnam, but the fact that they didn't try to do any de-aging or they didn't try to yeah. do any type of like younger actors. I noticed that's a that. ballsy move. I like, really enjoyed that about it because you could. I was like, I was wondering. I was like, hmm, when I when, <laughs> when when it started, I was like, you know, your your immediate movie thinker mind. You're like, oh, they should have just got some younger guys. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, you know, like I appreciate <laughs> this. You know what I mean? I was like, this is like very rare. They didn't. I was like, I, I didn't tell if they were de-aged or not. But I'm like, that's that's that that's just cause. Listen, if we go in there. <laughs> That's yeah. just because you know we don't we don't really crack around these around these around these you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so I'm that's, that, like... isn't that the crazy thing? It's like <laughs> yeah. you know what I know for a fact that we went back 50 years, mm -hmm. but I'm okay with it because like honestly I don't know like like it's weird but like I think that we gave the film permission right that the film right, asked it and right. we bought in to say okay cool like we understood that we're going back in like anytime that they're talking about it, we're going back in time and we're just taking these men as is and putting them there. And they were moving around just fine. Bro, Delroy right. is like jumping out of like bushes <laughs> no, and shit. I'm just like, oh man, Delroy. Yo, come on. 
you know, Ed, like... Eddie and his um and his pigeon toed ass is like moving oh, around. And stuff. <laughs> They're shooting. This. You could not ask, you know, um, you know, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro to do yeah, any of that. It's okay, true. It's Joe Pesci. Oh my God, Joe Pesci can hardly move. You got Robert De Niro trying to curb stomp some dude looking like a dinosaur, and Delroy <laughs> Lindo. They the same. They like pretty much the same age, and he's over here tearing oh, dudes up. Man, he's, listen, I was just like, um. Also, one of the one other thing I really appreciate from the movie is that like they didn't make it about like the the gold. You know what I mean? It wasn't necessarily because yeah. I was when I was watching it, I was like, well, they found the they found the gold pretty quickly. But then I realized, spoiler, sorry. But then I realized that like, oh, this is not about that. This is about these guys going through what they're going through, trying to find a friend, you know, trying to have some closure within each other. Then you're yeah. watching um. I also thought it was a very because Delroy Lindo's character, if you um, it's like you know it's very easy for his character to be unlikable, you know mm-hmm. what I mean because of like what he stands for. But then like I have I I'm not gonna lie like I have so many uncles that just remind me of Delroy Lindo's character. Some of them that were in the that were like in the military, you know what I'm saying? That just like literally have the same mindset. Yeah, these and are I was just like All yeah, and I and I wasn't even upset. Like you know what? Like like I have so many older family members who are exactly like they're not not so much as like traumatic as he was. I was like okay, <laughs> this is a lot. But you know what I mean? That I so I I really like. I, it was so it was so crazy because I really like um like you know connected with a lot of these characters and I related to a lot of them especially um, Jonathan Major's character too you know as far as like you know having a father who's a little bit who was a little bit like withdrawn and not really like focused and you know he's dealt with like a past experience to where like he can't really accept and then that whole back everyone had a great like kind of backstory that i really appreciated you know even some other characters too that pop up in the film like i didn't know what's his face richard jewell i was like oh hey (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh he's in this you know what i'm saying i was like you know it was was a really good cast and i was really really impressed by everybody's performance and a lot of these scenes oh man like a lot of these scenes i'm not it's not are not going to get out of my mind as well like um scene with some with some rope and stuff. I mean, that scene. I mean, I, I put it on Twitter yesterday. That, that that scene, like when it was over, immediately brought me to tears. I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening to my face? What is this? This is crazy." So it's a really good film, and I definitely like. You know, I'm de- I'm definitely you know happy that we got it around this time, especially where we're at right now as far as the U.S. goes. You know, so yeah, the second half yeah. of this film is where I think it definitely it surprised me as a Spike Lee movie. Uh, the first half is, you know, it felt very Spike Lee. And then that second half, uh, I mean, he went to places I wasn't expecting him to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, with some of the action-y stuff, some of the yeah. twists and turns in the script. I was like, whoa, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, Spike. Uh, but I was on board with it. Um, I thought it was really well done. That scene you're speaking of is expertly executed. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was kind of a masterclass in tension filmmaking mm-hmm. and that's I mean that's what's great I think his use of music not just the score but even the Marvin Gaye um, yeah. stuff was it, yeah. so good um, I also really liked these scenes with No Tan Van uh, sorry I'm mispronouncing her oh, name with the, with, with, with the lady with the who was who represented the Vietnam. yo you know how strong that is because like one yes. it's teaching me something like the mental manipulation that the Viet Cong were doing where, mm-hmm. and keep in mind, this is just, hello, black GI. Like, yeah. that sh- if, if it doesn't stop you in your tracks to understand that they are playing over the radio, 
where one, they know for a fact that these soldiers are listening. Do you understand what you're doing? This world, this war, this war that you're fighting for, you know, when you go back home, they're going to treat you just like the dogs, how they're treating us. And this film doesn't pull any punches and it comes across as very delicate. And the fact that throughout the film, like you mentioned earlier, Dwayne, we're getting not only the side of what it meant to be a black GI, mm-hmm. but what it meant for the Vietnamese who are fighting with us mm-hmm. and against us. And what were the repercussions of it? It's really, really interesting. And I'm trying to remember, like, in the textbook, I feel like the Vietnam War was two pages. Yeah. Right? It's like, we didn't, you know, we felt like we needed to get into it. We had trouble getting out. We kind of lost. We're really not going to say that we lost. Yeah. Right? Like, Folks, that's a war that we did not like. Mission was not accomplished. I'm yeah, sorry. That, that's why we don't. That's why we hardly talk about it in the you history know? books because America doesn't come out looking good. Yeah, but I mean, but all. that's like th- those. The way how Spike has always been able to do this, but in this film, his incorporation of the archival footage that oh, shit yeah. is haunting. I've never oh, seen God, images yeah. like that, especially of. Oh, I mean, if geez. if we're if if we're to believe, if I'm going to take this on his face that. Uh-huh. American soldiers were responsible, and obviously there was somewhere you saw it, like from a Vietnamese point too. Yeah, yeah. But that American soldiers were responsible for like the mutilization of bodies like that. I mean, come on, yeah. like that I is that is fucking sick. I was very uncomfortable. Like at those those scenes, yeah. like I listen. I am a horror fan fanatic, but when it's like <laughs> real, when it's like Oof. real life. I was like, oh my God. Was, was that like, gunshot very... fake? Like, I feel like I've seen it before in other films, but never like that. I, like, I didn't know blood I gushes out your head like that. I don't think that was a fake. I, if it my was, goodness, then it's bro. fantastic to them. But that look is the real of a video that you find on like World Star or whatever. I was like, oh Yo, my God. Yo, that was, I. That is crazy. It was, uh, it was, it was unsettling. Like, this is like, yeah. in a, what I like to call an African American horror story. Um, the, th- the fact that they were like, Yo, he was like spitting mad facts in regards to like right. the, the the lady that you were talking about, Larry. Did you know that you represent you know eleven percent of the country? Yet thirty percent of you are fighting in this war. Why is it that three times? Like shit. Like those yeah. those hard truths. Like yeah. Why? Yeah. And and I also like that the the one thing I really enjoyed that when you when when it, when those flashbacks were was happening, I. Usually when, when a movie is set like the 70s, the 60s, I have a real hard time believing that, okay, that, you know, this, what I'm watching is like from an old time. Like, you, of course, you, you like, you like, um, dispen- you know, suspend your disbelief and whatnot. And you're like, okay, yeah, like when you're watching like Stranger Things with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, stuff like that. Okay, it's like the 60s, that's the 90s, whatever. Like, this was like a rare time where any, every time you went back, I did feel like it was like I was watching a 60s movie or like a 70s movie or whatever and whatnot. Just like, just, just with the way the, the, the camera work was done, the way the filtering was done as far as like how it was shown on my TV. And I was just like, this is just such a good, such a masterclass of a yeah, film, you know what I mean? Aspect ratio. Too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This was the best use uh, I've I agree. maybe I've I agree. ever seen of changing the aspect ratio because yeah. I've been really critical of it recently because yeah. I think movies are just doing it. I don't know why they're doing it. Like in, a, in <laughs> the, the lighthouse. Uh, was, <laughs> yeah, the waves. Lucy waves, in the sky yeah. was so terrible with that aspect ratio. Um, but this, this had intention and it had purpose and it added to the vision and the story of what was being told. So mm-hmm. it's. it's yeah. Weird how like how it was so like it succeeded so much of going from full screen to what was it the four by seven or whatever yeah like um, you're watching on an old TV or something yeah and then going back to widescreen and then yeah. opening back up the full like that's something that should not work and yeah. 
like I think that you know you know you are operating on like what I like to call like God level director status when you can just be able to do it. And I think there's certain there are certain filmmakers that have been given enough grace to be able to do that. And I love it when directors can lean into this. Scorsese's there, you know, yep. Nolan's there. They're just like, yo, I have permission from my audience and from, you know, my studio that's got my back and where I'm just gonna do whatever I want to do. And Spike is there. And it sucks that now he because he feels like he's been vindicated, right? In a sense, mm-hmm. where he finally got his Oscar, like he's now leaning into a different level as a as a filmmaker, right? Like I it sucks because I would I would have done whatever I could to watch this on the big screen because oh, I man, want, I, I truly believe yeah, that I inside totally of a movie agree. theater it makes movies more special, dude. I totally. I also like one thing real quick to go back to the aspect ratio that Larry was talking about. I think it was the, the reason why it felt so natural is because like I think you have to commend the editing. The editing it wasn't like okay we cut to this scene and it's widescreen. We cut to this scene and it's like the the the, the aspect ratio is different. It was kind of like he did a thing where like the camera would like slowly do it. And I felt that so relaxing when he would do it too, like because you know you're going back in time. So I really enjoyed that. That's that's you know why it was so it was so easy to watch. And then as far as uh, as far as, as as far as Colby, like I although like AMC has this thing with Vendetta with like Netflix movies and they're not showing it. I, I mean I could have found a theater in Boston that was like probably showing this movie, yeah. and I would have loved to see it on the big screen, especially with yeah. like the soundtrack. Um, you know, when you have the right, like, sound system and stuff like that, too, like these shots. And it whatnot. enhances it. Yeah. And for anyone yeah. to think <clears throat> otherwise, like, oh, no, I have a – don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure, like, you were talking about your setup, you know, when I, when I was last on the pod. And, like, I, you're proud of your at-home setup. But there's nothing like yeah. what that in-theater experience can bring. The communal experience of, 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 of having, you know, relation to, this, to the screen – with other people next to you. Yeah, if there's yeah. a joke, that communal laugh, if there yeah. is something striking or haunting, that communal terror that you all experience, those are the enhancements that you may miss out. And like that's right. why I'll always believe in it. But I, when I got a chance to watch Dolomite Is My Name mm-hmm. in the movie theater, like it made that movie, it elevated it. And there's no reason as that wouldn't be the same. So like, yo, if, if, if there is an indie theater out there, or anybody listens to this right now, get at oh. your boy, get at us. If you know or are aware, I, I doubt it. I'm pretty sure Netflix is like, oh, it's only going to be here. But if some place can like work something out, please, I, I will. I will drive there if I. I want to watch. I'm going to watch this movie at least like three, or four more times. Yeah. Yo, there is so much stuff yeah. in this movie. Like, I had to one. I had to rewind twice mm-hmm. the what I like to call the right on monologue from Delroy mm-hmm. Lindo at the end of the film. Oh, that was so good. Oh my gosh. Um, we'll get we'll get into him in a minute because Ugh. like. I usually when it's a Netflix movie, uh, the, the indie theaters in Boston they show them all, like the ArcLight does, or like the mm. other in the other indie little indie theaters they they'll those show it. It's just AMC that's like nah, and like <laughs> and like I think Regal too. They're like nah, because I agree with you. Like I. I watched, like, a lot of movies where, like, especially streaming movies, like, I watched Marriage Story the first time in a theater, you know, that was at a festival in fall in the fall, and, I, you know, and I watched that in a the theater, but then you watch it at home, it's still good and stuff, but it's, like, there's some things that you, that, that, that was in a the theater that you're, like, oh, wow, you know what I mean, like, like, that argument hits so well in a good, in a movie theater, you know what I mean, the big argument between oh, yeah. Scarlet and um, Adam Driver, and then Parasite, too, Parasite hits, hits so good at a theater, and I'm so glad I watched it there first before watching it at home again, you know, so I totally agree, if I were to watch this movie in a the theater, I would have probably loved it ten times more, I mean, I already do, I thought, I thought it was fantastic, five stars all the way, but I'm just, like, it was great, 
Now let's get into really quickly the uh, performances as far as like awards go because Delroy Lindo had everyone mm. talking over the weekend. He was so good and uh, he was so believable. I didn't I didn't get no sense of like overacting from him. I thought all his scenes hit so well, especially the ones with the uh, with you know the one with Chadwick Boseman, the one with the uh, the you know the couple of scenes that he has with Jonathan Majors is so good. Um, he gives such a great fatherly hug that you kind of want that you're mm. like you know I feel that you know I I thought he was fantastic. Um, what do you what do you what do you guys see in the future as far as Fidel Roy as far as award seasons go? Uh, yeah, I mean, right now, um, people are speculating on whether they're going to push him for supporting or if they're going to push him for lead. I I hope they push him for lead. Yeah, uh, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think supporting at all. Um, as of right now, I mean, I haven't seen a better performance this year, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know that I will. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, as we were talking about earlier, uh, and you were speaking about how relatable the the character was that's what really made the the character and the performance so special is that he just inhabited this person it was just who this man was and you felt all of those years of his lived experience coming in and through every action every word mm-hmm. and it, i mean it was just a really powerhouse performance from him all the way start to finish across the board so i i mean i'll be stunned if he's not uh, nominated <laughs> uh, i haven't looked at the new oscars package i'll tell you that i know they just changed again eligibility rules um but i haven't looked at the updated one so uh, i just i can't see him not getting some love but who knows it is the oscars we'll see it, it, it is the oscars um yeah I, there's there's nothing that i've seen um from a lead actor standpoint in 2020 that is outshining what Del Lindo does with the character of Paul in this film. Um, and I make sure I tweeted, I said, yo, I don't want to hear none of this bullshit about best supporting actor. Yeah. Cause I, I heard that a, f- a few yeah. days prior um, to the film being like, you know, for, for general audiences released. And I, there's nothing that I can combat because I understood that it was an ensemble film. But like right. when you watch this movie, <clears throat> Granted, it's not like we're following one singular perspective. I get that. But even in this ensemble, this is Paul. We're like, we are, we are journeying with Paul, you know? Right. Um, I thought right. for a second it may have been Otis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I think, if anything, Otis is supporting Paul. Mm-hmm. Otis is the main antagonist in Paul's eyes, right? Like, like, that's really what it's about. Paul is driven to come back to this place to try to reconcile with his demons because of something that he did decades ago. And we think it's one thing, and we uncover in the end, it's completely something else. It's his main journey. And not only that, what the war has done to him, and it's said throughout the film, what we learn is that war never ends. And for these men who are soldiers, look at how it's debilitating to Paul. And it's not some type of performance where it's like he's wearing a tinfoil hat and he's putting peanut butter on his face and shit or wearing a diet. Like, it's nothing like that that we've seen kind of, you know, get turned into like some type of, you know, um, you know, caricature in other movies. Right. This is a layered and nuanced performance that is also tackling some very complex elements of what it is being black in America. Mm -hmm. Right. This man proudly wears a Make America Great Again hat. Um, I need to rewatch the film because there's a piece in it where it links to Trump. I did not know that we were going to hear this man's name. Like, you know, I I, I don't know. I thought we were going to be like, I I just didn't know. But like, it had no problem 
like saying like, oh, this motherfucker's a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Spike threw that out at the end of Black Klansman too. He, you know, we know Spike <laughs> you know, don't like, hold back any punches. That's true. It's just, I, I don't know why I, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't expecting, but like it, it what well, Delroy does, man. Like, yeah. Nobody can convince me that this isn't a lead performance. And honestly, yeah. for those that were saying that this is, you know, well, you know, he has a better chance at performing. Like, because I've heard that. He has a better chance at winning for supporting. You know what that tells me? That lead actors are for reserved for white actors. Fuck that. Right. No. All right? Because that, that's exactly where that comes from. Kind I, of what, I mean, that's kind of what happened with Viola Davis and Fences. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she kind of, they were like, well, she has a better chance of, of just winning supporting. And it's like, no. well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. In if a, you put in her in up against mind, Emma Stone to me, yeah. I Viola wins. So. <laughs> in, our, in our minds, we've been conditioned to yeah. think no, that there are certain performances mm-hmm. by Very certain true. actors, and those are ones that are reserved for like those mm-hmm. lead Academy trophies, right? Mm-hmm. That you got to do something super duper extra special and out of the ordinary to go in that conversation if you are not, you know, if you're a person of color and I say bump that, like, and, and I'll call it out. Anybody that espouses that bullshit around me, I will call you out completely. Get to the root of why you feel that. I've heard some people say when I made that tweet, oh, you know, well, it's an ensemble, you know, performance. And typically that gets per- um, supporting. Mm-hmm. What do you call what, um, you know, last year's Oscars? What, I mean, there was two, essentially, you know, this is an ensemble performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Leonardo DiCaprio. And he was I, for was, Academy Award I was just thinking that. I was like, dude. I yeah I listen I need I I need him to be nominated as lead if he's not nominated as lead then we have an issue listen you can nominate them uh, for best ensemble you can nominate whoever else for supporting but I need him as lead because that was the that was a performance that stuck with me throughout while watching the film and when the when the movie was over it still felt like this is his sort of story because even when even like when he's like you know when his story kind of comes to an end towards the ending you still feel his story being led on through his son mm-hmm. so i was like i need i yeah i need that i need him to be to be a lead yeah. you know Can we just talk about um we need spike lee to get the best director I'm sorry. I mean, Agreed. Yeah. Because I mean. I'm I'm tired of this as well. He got his Oscar for the screenplay finally, mm-hmm. uh, for Black Klansman. But even the best picture winners that are directed by black directors, the director is not recognized. Moonlight mm-hmm. lost best director. Twelve Years a Slave lost best director. So every time we get these highly acclaimed black directed films. They're willing to give it to the film, but we're not willing to give the director their proper due. And, and I, I never understand that dis- that 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 disconnect. It it just it, it really does bother me. I mean, you know, my best friend. You know, we, we both went to school. You know, for, for filmmaking, and you know, he say you know, a director is in charge of how the film looks on the big screen, right? Like that's his job. Like and putting it all together, right? To be able to credit a film for best picture, which in my opinion, I guess should be like. The direction, the writing, like the everything of it. Mm-hmm. For a film like, in this case, Black Klansman, to have multiple Oscar nominated performances in it, to have the winning be the best screenplay, and then to miss out on direction. And I forgot who won. Was it? I mean, it, um, I'll say this. Did, I, don't, I don't think Yorgos did. Did Yorgos win for, um, no, for best director? No, Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, for, yeah Roma. for Roma. For Roma. I mean,. <laughs> But, it's a tough one, but I get it. It's, yeah, it's but I'm tough. With you. I'm still with it's, you. Though. It's, it's, a, 
it's a it's a uniquely looking film with Roman. Well, and then, but, oof, and but then. I'll put that more of a cinema. But that's a cinematography award. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Same oh. thing with 1917, bro. Like yeah. that's a cinematographer's award. And then mm-hmm. they gave picture to a Green Book that wasn't even nominated for best oh, director. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. it should have been the favorite. Oh my god, I'm so I'm mad now. Oh, my god. <laughs> oh god. Well, 2019 awards were. I mean, yeah. 2018 awards were a mess. Oh my god, and there, I mean, 2018. I mean. Such great black cinema. Yeah. Number yeah. one, I still contend. Like if Bill Stricker talk, Bill Stricker talk. Like oh, that was yeah. my number one a film of the year, and like gorgeous. Yeah, it was. Oh my oh, god, gosh. I love watching that movie in theater so much. It was so good. I am, I am. Um, yeah, I would agree. So, um, let's get on to some final thoughts on the movie before we get off the air. Um, I'll start off with Larry. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think even furthermore than just the base subject of the film being so relevant to now, I think this it's really fantastic that we got this film specifically at this time. I think we needed Spike Lee's brand of messaging right now, one that doesn't pull back any punches, one that's not going to sugarcoat or pander down, mm-hmm. that is going to deliver the history, whether you think it's too in your face, whether you think it has no nuance or whatever you want to spout out there. It is what it is. And he infuses actual history and grounds his messaging in the, the world history that we've lived through and the black experience that has been and it makes for such a powerful and moving viewing experience that just puts a mirror up to America uh, even in 2020 and it just really was a powerful film with amazing performances a really fantastic script and mm-hmm. some of the best directing I think Spike Lee has done in his long and coveted career <laughs> to this point uh, yeah I 100% agree um, let's go to Kobe what about you really yeah, no, this film is it, it's truly fantastic um, it's an excellent film on the Kobe Toby rating it's a 9 out of 10 mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's crazy to think that they obviously couldn't have shot this over the course of the past three months. Like they had to have started shooting this maybe like a year or a year and a half ago. And the way, I mean, the one thing that Spike knows how to do is end a movie. The way that this film ends, like it, it, it brought me to tears. I was overwhelmed. I was fucking bawling. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's crazy how timely this is. Like, I don't, I just don't understand how it worked out this way. Um, it's like this, divine you know providence <laughs> to have this film you know right now um but i am just in awe of the direction the script the performances the music all of the technicals um i think this very well is like one of the best netflix produced films ever Ooh, um i agree you know shout out to there i mean i, I mean i love marriage story you know and, and some other stuff but like this is this this is definitely up there and um I cannot wait to watch it again and again mm-hmm. and just uncover more and more pieces because there's so much subtext um, in this film too um, that I'm really excited to get into. So, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is like, I mean, although, you know, it's been a couple of years before you could, I, I, I do believe that this is the movie 
where like you just gotta take them seriously as far as like when you gotta you gotta this this is one of those movies where you can't let a director go to Netflix thinking that they're not gonna make a banger because like they're gonna make a banger if they Netflix will give them all the money in the Cold world to make you right to make their banger especially with the especially with the direct with a director who's like credible and whatnot. yeah the the auteurs like right because I'm trying to think has there been an auteur that like the ones that like we like that have generally always been like heralded in the regular film space, have they gone to Netflix and flopped on their face? Um, not that I'm trying to think um, as far as a Netflix. Ugh, I'm over, just so happy that like, Spike Lee is at this point too. Where yeah, yeah, like the, when you the, got the like greater the greater audience because for so long he's been heralded in a more the do the right thing audience. guy yeah mm-hmm. and he's been so much more than that for so many years but yes. since he didn't play by the hollywood rules since he was going to tell what he needed to tell and put the black experience to screen how he saw fit you know they didn't want to play ball with him and thus he kind of got pigeonholed into this smaller niche where he was just trucking along doing his thing but it's great mm. to see him getting the support and people you know recognizing what a genius director he is yeah and if you go to like yeah because like you know i i can't really think of like as far as what kobe was saying like if you go if you think about alfonso um with roma and then you know um Scorsese with the uh, the Irishman and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, I can't really think of anyone. They kind of just like, hey, or, hey, you know, listen, just let us get some awards, please. You know, like do your thing. <laughs> let's get some awards talk. You know, <laughs> so I mean, this is and this is this is one of the movies for that. You know, definitely. So I'll be very, very. This very, has made me upset, especially more with excited the, for Fincher's make. Like I, I still agree, don't know what the yeah. hell that movie's gonna be about, <laughs> but. I, I, yeah, <laughs> Academy, you have no excuse. There's not going to be enough oh. movies this year. Uh-huh. You can't and forget it. I don't care that it came yeah. out in the summer. There are and no excuses, Academy. So I did have somebody let me know because I thought the original rule was, hey, we will allow streaming films if they were originally planned yeah. to be released that theatrical. I was told that no, no, no. even streaming films, regardless. Are gonna yeah. be was that part of the good. change? Is that part that's of the so, change like, they did? I, I asked Matt Neglia from Next Best Picture because that's how I thought yeah. what I interpreted is that if you originally had it, like, because more than likely Netflix is going to have this in some type of two to four week yeah. run oh, yeah. on a very limited oh, engagement of course, yeah, to do that, right? Yeah. Um, so I thought that as long as it was planned to do that, then that's fine. But I didn't think that like Tall Girl or Horse, horse Girl was <laughs> eligible for an Academy oh. Award. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or like <laughs> six yeah. un, six underground or whatever. What are oh those? my god! You know, but, I mean, but like, but but coffee this, and Kareem. I, I will say this: if Netflix keeps <laughs> up, I mean, granted, they have they still have more misses than hits. In oh, my yeah, opinion. yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, in 2020 alone, Jad. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, but if they have three or four of these, which studios will be lucky to have three mm-hmm. or four of these, right? If they have three or four of these, like what they did with last year, nice with having year. Dolomite is my name and Marriage Story, and like they they had a stellar year, the two popes, and you know with the Irishman. That's true. Oh god, like yeah. th- that's the thing you don't think about, but like damn, those are all Netflix movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they keep doing that, it's going to be hard for the Oscars to ignore them. Yeah, like I, I thought that their their best chance was last year, and mm-hmm. they got almost shut out, right? Um, I don't. I swear. I'll protest the Oscars if the, I'm not saying the five votes like oh no matter what it has to win like it doesn't ha- like I, there's, there's still there's still six months left mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know how this could not be in the conversation 
Um, I, I don't think the ten responds to this year, right? The 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 new the new no, it's uh, for the next year for so, next year, right? So yeah, yeah. But still, even on that preferential ballot, I don't understand mm. how this like misses it. Like this is you know I don't want to like be hyper you know like explore hyperbole and everything, but like I don't understand how there's not a best director nomination, there's not a screenplay nomination, there's not maybe one or two acting nominations, yes. some other technicals and stuff like. Editing. This is one of those all-arounders. And especially if you try to compare this to Black Klansman, you're like, yes. well, shit, this, this guy, like, he's in God mode status as a director. Yes, editing, cinematography, all of that. You know what I'm score. saying? So, score, right. The Soundtrack. only name that I, I don't think I saw in the credits was Ruthie Carter. Mm-hmm. Who, what did she... She did the um, the, the costuming. Oh, did she? I, I, yeah. I was thinking... I know that I they, was... they, worked, they worked together before, you know? Yeah. Right, I was... Mm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love this movie. So I'm and very Netflix, excited. you better push it. You better, you don't. There's literally no excuse. Don't let you know Dolomite happen again. Uh, <laughs> make this Gosh. your Irishman this year. <laughs> no, there's push literally it like, hard. Literally no excuse. They have yeah. to. So um, all right. With that being said, everyone, that is our review for The Five Bloods. Please check it out. Um, yesterday we were telling you we were telling you to stay away from Artemis Fowl. Please Oof. go watch this movie. It's on Netflix. Dead, please on Netflix. Watch it on a watch it on a, on the biggest screen you can. I promise you. Because I had to finish. I had work yesterday and I had to finish it at work. And I was like, oh god, I just like you know I need to finish this at home on my TV and stuff because it's so good. So yeah, definitely recommend it. Um, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thank you Larry and Colby for coming on. Uh, let's get some plugs in. And Larry, why don't you let everyone know they can follow you? What's coming up on your channel this week? Yeah, so you can find me at LC Screen Talk on Twitter, Instagram, as well as YouTube. Uh, this coming week, I'm just continuing on with my Pride Month series of reviews with another yes. one of those tomorrow. And then, I don't know if I'm going to review that new Blumhouse movie or not. We'll see. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But today I uploaded my first ever, like, first time watch. Uh, I watched Ratatouille for the first time <gasps> and oh. recorded my reaction. So there's that. <laughs> no. Dwayne, once again, thanks so much for having me on, brother. I really do appreciate it. I got a busy Sunday with some more pods to go, but hey, it's all good. If you want to follow your boy, you can do so. I'm on all the socials at Kobe Told Me on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm on Facebook at Kobe Mac. When I'm in the mood to write, you can catch my words on my website at kobetoldme.com and primarily listen to me podcast when I'm not on someone else's, the Kobe Told Me podcast available on all major platforms. So when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe Told Me. Alrighty guys, I really appreciate it once again. Very excited to get this review out. Um as far as for me, you can follow me on Twitter um at Cinemedia ninety four. You can follow the page on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinemania World. And that is it everyone. Thank you guys for joining us. I appreciate it. That was Larry and that was Colby. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye bye.